This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Today, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Judy Cho. I am a nutritional therapy practitioner and I help my clients get to root cause healing, oftentimes working on the gut and using a meat based elimination diet. If you want to learn more about my elimination diet, you can always get my book, Carnivore Cure. All right, guys, so I am very excited to share this talk with you.、Uh, this is my 2020. KetoCon talk. Because of all of the things that were going on last year, we weren't able to share this in person, but I was able to do this talk and now I can release it in public. So, my KetoCon 2020 talk was the importance of mindset, habits, and communities. I worked hard on the slideshow, so I hope you guys enjoy it and it's visually stimulating and also just helps you to understand the importance of community, habits, and motivation. All right, let's get right into it. Imagine a garden with beautiful butterflies, the vibrant colors on its wings, the way the butterfly glides so easily through the sky, the way they land gently on flowers. So, what do butterflies represent? They usually represent transformation, vibrancy, joy, and beauty. Sometimes, if we're lucky, they land on our fingers. Well, life must be good for butterflies, but is it? From the second they're born, they're at work. They have to chew their way out of their eggs. And then they eat and eat, grow and grow, doubling in size daily, and usually growing 10 to 100 times bigger until they're ready for the pupa stage, the transformative stage before becoming what they're ultimately supposed to be. They finally make their way to hang as a chrysalis, and inside they wait for their outer skeleton to harden. This can take 10 days, which is about the same amount of time they've been alive. So, no food, just patience and metamorphosizing. And then, when they're ready, they'll have to use all their energy to break out of the chrysalis to emerge as butterflies. Can you imagine? After 10 days of no food, they need to use all of their energy to break free from the chrysalis. And what's more amazing is that butterflies, like the monarch butterfly, h a s to travel about 2,000 to 3,000 miles to warmer climates. 3,000 miles, that's further than flying from California to Florida. Butterflies epitomize daily habits. 
What if they decided to take a day off from eating? Maybe they'd never form a chrysalis, or maybe they would die in the chrysalis. Butterflies epitomize mindset. What if the butterfly thought, man, this is hard work, all this effort for what? So I can get into a chrysalis and risk dying from a predator? Or what if they thought, I don't want to do a 3,000 mile journey, no thanks. But they do it each day, every day, no matter what. Never once is life easy for a butterfly, but every single day they do, and every single day they do, they become. So how do butterflies transform? With perseverance, patience, and grace. And it is no different for us. The fact is, struggle builds character. It helps us to figure out life, appreciate life, and make the most of life. But let's be real. Right now, it's hard to be motivated. We're in unprecedented times where just sometimes getting out of bed requires daily motivation. And so thinking of adhering to a diet isn't even possible. I get it. Or some of you are thinking, well, this is great, Judy, but how do I stay motivated to make things stick? I try keto or carnivore or any other lifestyle change, and after some time, I can't seem to stay motivated. Well, what if I told you that maybe you've been focusing on the wrong things and unknowingly setting yourself up for failure? In my upcoming Carnivore Cure book, I talk about the importance of planning and prep work before starting any new diet or endeavor to ensure you're mentally and physically and environmentally prepared. Yes, planning and preparing are some of the most important factors for success and for creating new habits and changing old ones. That's why quotes like this one from Lincoln are so invaluable. Give me six hours to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first four sharpening the axe. Wow, that's 67% of his time preparing to chop the tree and not doing any of the work chopping. So let me ask you, how many hours do you prepare and plan before any diet? 67% of your time planning? 20%? We need to plan and prepare because once a habit is formed, your brain almost never forgets it, even bad ones. And we only have a finite amount of decision-making power daily, and so we're hardwired to find ways to autopilot our lives. This is why we can easily drive to work and do our morning routine. These collective actions are our habits. But what if some of our habits are bad, like binging for comfort or celebrating with too much junk food? You know it's bad, but how do you unhabit a habit and replace it with a new habit, like a low-carb lifestyle. And then you think, look, Judy, I just have less willpower than other people. I just have less self-control. But is it really that? Studies show that people with high amounts of self-control simply spend less time in tempting situations. So here's the point. It's easier to avoid temptation than to resist it. Yes, one of the best ways to stop a bad habit is to change the environment and exposure to temptations. What if you fail not because of you, but because of your environment is impossible for change? Self-control seems like something people have and others don't, right? But what if it's just the environment that triggers your old habits to cause you to fail? So if your habit after work is to eat some chips, do you think having potato chips at home is a beneficial environment? Or what if you're used to going out for happy hours for months and you always ate carb-heavy appetizers? Do you think going to happy hours will help you eat low-carb? So what does this tell us? Self-control is not a long-term strategy. Sure, on good days, it's easy to say no. We muscle our willpower to resist the chips every night and eat clean during happy hours. 
But what happens on hard days, on days we've exhausted our willpower? Change your environment to work in your new habits favor. Maybe no chips in the house for a while. Maybe you stop going to happy hour for a little bit. Optimize your environment and then the less control is needed. Another reason your goals may fail is because there's just too much of a gap between here and there. For example, if you want to lose 50 pounds and the first week you only lose a pound, the distance between here and there is too wide of a gap and you're closer to your current weight than your goal weight. So what happens? You're mentally exhausted from a full week of practicing willpower and self-control not to eat the chips or eat the junk at happy hour. So you rationalize, oh, one day of eating whatever I want won't set me back. The thing is, it does. It sets us back a lot. We tend to overestimate what we can do in a week, but we underestimate what we can do in a year. We have dreams and goals where in the future we'll accomplish all these great things. But guys, if we never change our daily habits, we'll never get there. Never. James Clear in Atomic Habits talks about how just improving by 1% daily can make you 38% better in just a year's time. It's the compounding of positives. And maybe in a week, you don't see a big change and then want to revert back. But you have to know, there's also the compounding of negatives. And this is why when we fall, we fall hard. Guys, it takes time to win. Imagine if the caterpillar focused on, focused on traveling 3,000 miles. It seems so daunting that the caterpillar may as well just give up. But instead, the caterpillar grows and doubles in size every single day. The compounding of positives eventually makes the caterpillar a butterfly. So once you define your goal and figure out a process to get there, focus on your daily actions. That'll get you to your goal. Or what I like to call daily wins. What do you need to do to incorporate daily to ensure you're headed towards your goal? Now, forget the goal. Focus on your daily wins to get you to your goal. And this might look like eating two keto meals a day, maybe fasting for 16 hours, maybe movement for 30. Figure out what you need to do daily before you get started. And then forget about the far too distant goal. Forget the 50 pound weight loss. Focus on the daily changes to get you there. Focus on your daily habits. You are winning if you do your daily wins. And you can do this by tracking. You can have a calendar and for every win day, add a sticker or some reminder that you've won your day. Make it obvious. I intentionally put my calendar on the fridge to remind me how eating carnivore is a daily win of mine. Imagine a month of stickers. How motivating does that feel? Think back to when you were a kid and you'd freeze juice into popsicle containers. You'd wait and wait, open the freezer, and it took forever for the juice to freeze. You remember your impatience. You remember your annoyance. But with all great things, eventually it froze, and you had a homemade popsicle. Guys, everything takes patience. We must be patient because it takes time for things to change, but it will. You have to trust the process. Win the day. And motivation. Sorry, but motivation is a myth. There is only one way of gaining motivation, and it's success. If you want to stay motivated and make progress, the key is to enjoy small, minor successes on a regular basis. So win your days by doing the right things over and over, and that'll bring you motivation. When you consistently do the right things, success is inevitable. Most successful people focus on what they need to do today, and when they accomplish that, they're happy about today, and it motivates them to keep going tomorrow.
Success begets success. Success is the best motivational tool. A one pound weight loss in a week when wanting to lose 50 is not motivational. But winning your day seven days in a row is motivational. You are happy you won seven days. And so the eighth day comes naturally. It's the same results, but mindset is everything. Motivational coaches and weight loss coaches try to instill this motivation to keep you going. They say, find the motivation within. Sorry, no. Build a process that keeps you successful and keeps you motivated. Because success is motivation. I'd like to talk a little bit about community. Community is a big part of environment and successful habit building. As humans, we are wired for community. We are not meant for social social isolation. It is damaging for our soul. And this is why we care what people think of us and why we want to fit in so bad. Even rebels rebel together. Our survival depends on fitting in. So when it comes to habits, we mimic and mirror what we see. We mimic our environment, our neighbors, family, and friends. We learn from their actions and see the desired outcomes, and then we act accordingly. In fact, there's a study of over 10,000 people, and they found that if your friend is obese, your chance of becoming obese is over 50%. So what does that tell us? If you want a new habit to stick, surround yourself with people that your desired habit is the norm. And to make it even more sticky, find people with the desired habit and other similar habits or lifestyles. The more you have in common, the easier it is to make your habit stick. When you struggle some days to stick to low carb or keto, in order to comply with the community, you might just keep going. And this is why tribes and communities are so important. We do everything to fit in. Now just make sure you find the right community to fit in with. Make sure the community lines up with your goals and values. Let me ask you, which of these two lines are similar? If you said line two, what if I told you you were wrong? Yes, you're wrong. What? How can that be? Well, there's a study by Solomon Ash where he wanted to see how social pressure in the majority would affect a person to conform. And they were asked about these lines. So when the participant was with one or two other people, the participant would say the correct answer. Comparison line two. But once the majority became eight people and all eight were in on the study, a whopping 75% of the time, the one participant would conform. The participant would agree to the wrong answer. Find the right community that aligns with your habits and goals. Now, I'm sure some of you are thinking, yeah, I wouldn't have been part of the 75%. Okay, fine. But what if a friend recommended a hair salon? You trust your friend and go to the shop. And when you're about to walk in, a couple tells you, hey, don't go in there. They'll mess up your hair. How many of you will get influenced by those people? So much so that you would believe the two strangers over your own friend. Do you still believe you wouldn't conform? Or what if your best friend recommends a restaurant, says it's so good and it's a must try, and then you look it up on Yelp and there's 500 reviews that give it two out of five stars. Do you believe your best friend or the 500 reviews? You still believe you wouldn't conform? This is a frightful power of the majority. And as James Clear says, we'd rather be wrong with the crowd than be right by ourselves. Remember, we want to fit in. We have an innate need to fit in and comply with the group. So what does this mean? 
make your habit fit with the majority. If you are keto or carnivore and want it to stick, make it your community. If your in-person community isn't budging, then find an online one. Otherwise, when you want to change and you keep the same community and they don't change, they'll probably give you a hard time because unknowingly, they want you to conform. Because, for example, if they agree and support your new diet, then it means their diet is inherently wrong. Just think about that. I'd like to share a community example. I had the honor of leading a Carnivore 75 Hard Community Mental Fitness Challenge back in October of 2019. And it went on for 75 days. The community challenge had five components, of which the first one was meat-based nutrition. The second was fasting, which helped remove the decision-making and willpower and allowed for a more environmentally, environmentally friendly way for our way of eating. The third was movement of 30 minutes, of which 15 had to be outside. And for some of us, during dead winter, that's hard. The fourth component was mindset, which was to write down three gratitudes daily. And this was to help the community focus on the good instead of the bad during difficult days. And then the fifth component was community. And the goal was to give a compliment or random act of kindness to anyone. It was a kind of kindness begets kindness type of thing. The Carnivore 75 hard components are to ultimately help you navigate the holidays where there's lots of overindulgence on junk foods and to prove to yourself the grit you have inside you. If you can do 75 days of hard during the winter and holiday months, what can't you do? So on October 18, 2019, many lives were changed forever. Sure, not everyone completed, but I believe that one day they will. The heart was there, and it takes the right environment, process, and community to make it happen. The participants across social media, emails, websites was over 5,000 people. Guys, 5,000 people started Carnivore 75 Hard. And then many of us wore blue bracelets to remind us that we're in this together. And then on November 16th, we held a meetup in over 20 cities worldwide. You can see some of the locations in the pictures. But guys, this is the power of community. We still have the private Facebook group, and there's a free Carnivore 75 Hard community program now that you can take anytime. Look, if you have the will, there is always a way. One thing I will say is that community will not get you to the finish line. Sure, on days it's hard, they'll help lift you up, but it is up to you to do the hard work and keep motivated with your win day successes. Make it easy with conducive environments. I'll leave you with this story. There's a story of a man that saw a butterfly in its chrysalis. He saw the butterfly struggle to come out. So he waited a couple days and the butterfly was still struggling to get out of the chrysalis. So he finally helped the butterfly by opening it up. He thought he helped the butterfly, but do you know what happened? By helping the butterfly, he impaired the butterfly from ever flying. The butterfly was never able to fly and never able to become a thriving butterfly. The thing is, the butterfly is supposed to struggle to get through that small hole. The struggle is to get out of the chrysalis because it serves to force all the fluid from the body to the wings so that the wings can then be fully formed to fly. How amazing is that? Struggle teaches us things like grit and resiliency. Yes, it's hard, but it also builds the essence of what it is to be human. If we went through life without any struggles, it would cripple us. We would not understand our resiliency and that we can fly or that we can do hard. If you want to experience strength, how would you go about getting that? 
you might be given difficulties to see your perseverance. If you want to gain responsibility, you might be given family to care for. And if you want love, you might be given community to serve and be a part of. Every situation is an opportunity. Every situation. Mindset is everything. So whatever you believe is true. As Malcolm Gladwell said, a lot of what is most beautiful about the world arises from struggle. Here are my three takeaways. First, figure out your goals and then come up with a thoughtfully planned process. Break the process down into daily habits. Then win your days with these daily habits. Forget the goal and focus on your win days. Number two, make your environment win the day friendly. This includes the right community. Find the right community that aligns with your desired habits. And then remember, success breeds motivation. Win your day because today will motivate you for tomorrow. And finally, mindset is critical. Have patience and take it one day at a time. We didn't get sick overnight. Don't expect to magically heal overnight. To accomplish anything worthwhile and especially to achieve a goal that others say is impossible, you have to put in the hard work and keep at it. There are no shortcuts. Every day, win your day. If you fall, pick yourself up. Don't make it two days of not winning your days. There is no such thing as perfection. Just win your day every day. Guys, struggle builds character. Who knows, you might be in your own pupa stage right now about to transform. And maybe, just maybe, you're simply getting ready to transform to live your best life. Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. If you want to find me, my name is Judy Cho, and I am also known as Nutrition with Judy. I am a nutritional therapy practitioner, and I serve clients in both Austin and virtually by supporting them to get back to optimal health. I believe that food is medicine or a very slow poison, and so I focus on root cause healing with um, a focus on gut health and animal-based foods. I also have a Carnivore Cure book that's coming out, and it is a ultimate um, elimination diet and it's um, will also include an elimination protocol and a future group program. So Robin had mentioned to me that um, there are a few questions that came in and I'll answer them but I wanted to kind of go over this before I talked about these specific questions and so um, if you look at the graphic on the left um, there this is what I uh, work with my clients to make for them and so they fill out this questionnaire and then this is a symptom burden graph and so what I really want to explain with this um, before we talk about any like hormonal uh, questions and answers is this if you look at everything from that blue line so from upper GI all the way to sugar handling these are the areas um, that we call the foundations and then everything to the right of the blue line are called the consequences. And so when you guys ask me about thyroid health or hormonal health, which would be the female reprod um, or immune system or adrenals, all of those are in your consequences. And so what that means is essentially when your foundational areas are not working optimally, eventually your consequences will show other symptoms. 
And so when you look at the waterfall or what we call the endocrine cascade, oftentimes it starts with the blood sugar imbalance. And if you look at that's part of the foundations, but everything else is the consequences. So adrenals, pituitary, thyroid, and sex hormones, they're all related to your consequences. And for some of you that are asking, well, what causes the endocrine cascade? It's the causes that are listed. So stress, toxins, poor diet, poor digestion. If you look at the last four, the digestion, mineral deficiency, essential fatty acid deficiency, and dehydration, they're all part of the foundations. So when we ask these questions about why did I lose my period, um, my, horm uh, my sex hormones are imbalanced, I, um, you know, my thyroid, I'm having hyperthyroid, it is all related to the consequences. And maybe instead of focusing on what, which hormone should I interject, maybe we should look at the foundations because uh, um, typically, especially with my clients that I do this um, graphic with, when we focus on gut health and then minerals or fatty acids or sugar handling, oftentimes the consequences get healed. And so I think the first question, and I'm just going to kind of read through these, but um, the first one was, does long-term carbohydrate restriction affect women's hormones? Um, and then does prolonged fasting affect hormones in women? So this goes back to this graphic. Um, so if you have good gut health, you have a sufficient amount of minerals and fatty acids and sugar handling, the long-term answer, in my opinion, is no, it shouldn't. So there is a school of thought that believes that if you have low to no carbohydrates, it drives insulin too low. And it's true, it does drive it low. And then the thing is, insulin is involved in thyroid hormone conversion. So it can then feel like energy dips um, because the thought is that not enough insulin would then convert the inactive thyroid hormone T4 into T3. So not enough T4 because there's not enough insulin to then convert it to T3. And then this may lead to metabolic rates and um, drops and hypothyroidism. But based on what I just told you guys about this symptom burden graph, what is causing the hypothyroidism or the menorrhea or something that's dysfunctioning in the female reprod or the thyroid, et cetera? What if it's poor gut health or minerals or fatty acids or sugar handling? I would say get to the root cause before worrying about is it the carbs? Because oftentimes, if you look at this endocrine cascade, it starts with the blood sugar imbalance. And when we eat too many carbs, that starts some of the blood sugar imbalances. Um, in, terms of, uh, in terms of the insulin, if we were to talk about just insulin itself, um, I can give you a list of nutrients um, that you know, stimulates insulin. For example, vitamin E, it's a lipid-soluble antioxidant, and it's um, the supplementation of vitamin E may improve insulin functionality. Magnesium deficiency can play a role in developing insulin resistance. Calcium um, helps tightly monitor insulin-mediated functioning. There's vanadium, there's chromium, copper, potassium, and then there's zinc, which is required for insulin processing. Well, do you know how most of us get zinc? It's through meat. And if we have poor gut health, we can't even break down our meat which then would help us produce the hydrochloric acid. And so it's this perpetual cycle. How do you know you're not really zinc deficient and it's not that you're insulin deficient, and which is then causing your hormones to get out of whack? This is where I'm always about get to the root cause and why I always focus on gut health. Um, another question I got is, what would you recommend to a female that is menopausal, suffering from adrenal fatigue, that's having trouble losing weight? 
So this goes back to, again, the symptom burden graph. Um, I would definitely recommend, um, so if women are, have been dieting all their life or they've been under eating all this, their life, then their body has found a new normal. So um, they, the body learns to kind of function at a low calorie rate or a low nutrient uh, rate. And also um, they will turn off certain um, certain functionalities in the body. So for example, if you look at this endocrine cascade, having blood sugar balanced is a priority for survival. If your sugar is off by even a quarter amount in your blood, it starts messing up things in the body. And so your body will then shuttle all your nutrients to make um, cortisol, for example, to balance your blood sugars. And so when we are under eating, a lot of times the nutrients will go to make cortisol or these other areas. And so when a woman that's in menopause is suffering from maybe not being able to lose weight and they have excess, I would look back at the history of have they been under eating or maybe it's not an under eating of calories, but an under eating of nutrients. So I would take a look at that. And then if they were, and then all of a sudden they're eating a sufficient amount of fat and protein, maybe now they're eating in excess for what their body is used to. So you may have to gain a little bit of weight for a while, trust the body, let it get, you know, nutrient rich. And then as time progresses and you heal, so like no physical symptoms other than maybe some weight, excess weight, then see if you can try to cut back and, you know, cut down on the scale. Um, another thing you can look on is stress levels and sleep levels. Uh, one day of lack of sleep can cause you to have pre-diabetic numbers the next day, which will then cause cravings and eating more sugar. Um, so I would, again, look at these um, foundational areas and lifestyle areas, and then also look into movement, right? We need to walk, we need to have movement for optimal health. But the biggest thing is you have to have patience, you have to trust the process. If you were under eating or eating, you know, a carb rich standard American diet for most of your life, and then now you are trying to eat healthy 50 years later, it's going to take time to heal. And it's going to take time to lose weight. Your body was never wanting to be overweight, and that's usually a sign of being sick. And so give it time and be patient and just win your days. The last question I got is, what do you recommend for hair loss? Now, hair follicles are made from amino acids, so definitely eat sufficient amounts of uh, meat. But, you know, there are many factors of what that cause hair growth to stall. So it could be genetic. Um, it could be hormonal changes. And again, we just talked about hormones. It could be a lack of nutrition. And again, even if you're eating nutrient-dense foods, if your gut is not healthy, like if you have impermeability, um, I mean, I'm sorry, permeability, and if your gut is just not doing, is just not as working as efficiently, then you may not be consuming or absorbing all the nutrients. Um, it could be medication. It could be stress. Stress is so critical to manage. Um, I would recommend some breathing techniques. and um, it could also be some other disease or other conditions. Now there's a list of supplements that people recommend with um, hair follicles, but again, that's again the whole consequence focused um, healing and I would focus on your foundations. So if you focus on gut health and then ensuring you're getting enough minerals, the fatty acids and sugar handling, I bet you your hair will grow. Um, I think that was the last question. So thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. 
If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com slash groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.